Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Has anybody been in church for a while? Let's say more than 10 years. Anybody been in church more than 10 years? Anywhere, not just here, right? Anybody been in church more than 20 years? 30? Keep them up if you're at 30. 40 years. I got to put my hands down at 30 and 40. But, right, okay, so we've, we've all been in church a while. Lots of people have been, been in church a long time. And, and in those years, we've, I'm sure we've seen a lot and experienced a lot. But um, when it comes to the body of Christ, we, we, know, that, we know what it is but, uh, by concept. But have we ever really began to understand what it means? What are the obligations? What are the uh, responsibilities of those of us in the body of Christ? So we've covered a variety of things so far. Uh, our first week was foundational. We were talking about just what community is and how that God exists in community. And because he exists as the Father, Son, and Spirit and eternal community, how that he made man, that we would not be alone, right? And, and that he designed us for community as well. And last week we got into um, our status with each other, how that we are joint heirs with Christ. And this is the first thing on our sheet up at the top, recap from last week. We are joint heirs with Christ and with each other. We are joint heirs with Christ and with each other. It is important for us to understand that we, yes, we are brothers and sisters with Christ, but we are brothers and sisters with each other. And it's, it's a whole lot easier to respect Christ and operate within those confines than it is to always respect each other, isn't it? Because people are people. Uh, the second thing is God's children share equal status as sons, regardless of ethnicity, socioeconomic status, or gender. So what that, what that means is uh, God has elevated us all to the level of sons. Historically, culturally, sons have always been the ones who perpetuate the name. Sons have been the ones who get the inheritance rights, who have the legal status, the the ability to contribute as citizens, all these things. Only until the last hundred plus years have women in Western culture really received all those rights that they now have. But Christianity was among the first to give women that status as sons and, and to, to make them equal with the sons in the eyes of the Father. And that's a huge thing. But the Scripture also tells us that it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, if you are a servant or a free man, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. What matters is that you're his. Amen. And when you're his, you occupy the same status with the Father. So we are all elevated to the level of sons, giving us all inheritance rights in God's kingdom. We also talked about uh, how that there is not a believer in Jesus that you will ever meet who does not share your status before the Father. Every person in this room shares the same status before the Father. We are all, if we have professed our faith in Christ as the only begotten Son of God, if He is our Lord and Savior and Master and King, then we all share the same status. Amen. He's our Father. God is our Father. Jesus is our brother. We are brothers and sisters together, and we are before God in that same status. So there's no one you'll ever meet in the church house that believes in Jesus that has any other status. It also says we are equal in status as heirs, but very in function. We're going to be talking about that tonight. We're going to get into that more. Uh, we also talked about last week how that peace through the Holy Spirit is what binds the body of Christ together. 
just as ligaments bind bone to bone. That's from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. We learn that our duty to God as believers is to present our bodies as living sacrifices and our minds to be renovated, that God may first transform our view of ourselves and then our view of each other. That's from Romans 12, 1 through 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that we may be able to show what is the perfect will of God through all that. And then he says in verse 3, that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We like to put the little paragraph symbol in front of verse 3 and say, oh, he's changed topics. Really, he hasn't. He's saying as we present our bodies and submit our minds, it's going to change the way we see ourselves. And then, if you see you different, I guarantee you're going to see the people around you different. I guarantee it. For most folks, the center of their world is themselves. But in the body of Christ, we are not the center of anything. It's all about Him, then it's all about others, then it's about us. And it's in that order, okay? Lastly, uh, we are members of one another, fitly framed together, to expand the kingdom of our Father in this world, Ephesians 4.16. And we'll be revisiting and digging deep on that verse tonight. So this week, why one body of many members? So we understand that we are a body, we are members of one another, so that means that it's, it's good for us to take care of each other. What happens to, to one can affect us all and, and all of that. But uh, we are members of one another, contributing to each other as the, uh, and to the overall body of Christ and kingdom of God. We matter in our capacity, our role or function within this system. If, if we belong to each other, then that means we all matter. Isn't that a fascinating concept? We can belong to each other, and that gives us more value individually. Because me being valuable adds value to you. You being valuable adds value to me. Because together, we're more valuable. So it, it, it's, it's a great thing. We don't have to be people who are self-centered. If we choose to be God-centered, then God adds value to us. And that value then transfers to others. So if I am becoming all that God can be, that's good for you. If you are becoming all that, all that God wants you to be, then that's good for me. And, and it works that way in, in the body of Christ. We are one body fitly joined together, building itself up. As we touched on last week, even our smallest physical parts, like a small toe, are essential to the success of our walk. If you remember the example, we talked about how that if you stub your little toe, how that it can mess up your whole walk. Anybody ever stubbed your little toe? Absolutely. And so you, what do you do? You compensate. You shift all your weight to the other side of your foot, and then that starts messing with your ankle and your knee, then your hips, then your back and your neck, your shoulders, your neck, and before long, you're walking all kinds of weird because you did something to the smallest, most seemingly insignificant part, but that insignificant part to you has just become very significant. It has an effect on the whole body. Therefore, if, if the body is the example that the apostles and that Jesus was using, then we can reasonably understand that even those of us in the smallest role or capacity or function serve a purpose that is essential to our walk as a group, right? Our, our group, collectively, this branch of the body, is going to be affected by how well you walk. Does that make sense? 
It's going to be affected by how, how you're doing. If you're being crushed, it can have an effect on all of us. Not just when he's being crushed. We, it makes sense when the minister's in trouble. When the minister's being attacked, we're like, oh, what? God, we're praying, we're praying. But are we praying for each other in that same capacity, right? So again, we, we occupy the same status before God, but what we're going to get into tonight is the different functions, how that we can be a seemingly small part, but still matter. Amen? Um, it says, uh, how, how then can God's kingdom grow and his body progress if we refuse to fulfill the function for which he has fitly joined us together? How can God's kingdom grow and his body progress if we refuse to fulfill the function for which he has fitly joined us together? I made this statement last week that there are a lot of folks, as I've, as I've lived in church life over the last 28 years, um, I've seen a lot of folks who are good folks who love Jesus. But I've seen some folks get in lanes and realms and arenas they were never meant to, to be in. Does that make sense? People trying to do things that God did not call them to. Maybe they called them to. Or maybe someone else called them to. Or, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the enemy deceived them. I don't know. But I've seen people try to occupy levels of church life that they're not meant to occupy, and it can be destructive. It can absolutely be destructive. So we have to understand that we have a function and if we learn what our function is, our single goal needs to be to fulfill it. That's what our goal needs to be. Okay, now I know that that doesn't sound all that glamorous, but it's the truth. I think people believe that unless they're teaching or preaching or singing or doing something visible up there, then, then oh, it doesn't matter, it's not significant. I, I want to counter that idea tonight. It does matter that we all have a function in the body of Christ. Conversely, we don't, need to, we don't need to be destructive toward those things either, right? We don't need to undermine those things, nor does that need to undermine what you're doing, amen? It needs to be a body working together, building itself up. If I'm called to be up there, that's where I need to be. If you're called to be right there, that's where you need to be. If you're called to be down there with the kids, that's where you need to be, or in the booth, or in the parking lot for security, or whatever, whatever role it is that you have been called to fill, that's good, because you've got a role. So let's not get delusions of grandeur and decide that, oh, I'm just, I'm just a nursery worker, so I, I, I'm not contributing. Are you kidding? You're putting your hands on the next generation. You're loving what's coming up. You're showing them stability. Likewise with the kids, with the youth group. Any class that you're going to teach, men, women, it doesn't matter. We are contributing directly to the, the success of the body, the growth of the body in so many ways. And I think, I think sometimes we, we get our eyes off of that. Is that fair? Has anybody ever gotten their eyes off of that? Absolutely. That's a fair thing. And, and there's no harm in admitting that. So what we have to do is we have to understand that we have a function to fulfill. And if we can learn what that function is in this body, in this body, this house, then we are doing exactly what God has put us here to do. And that's awesome. That's great. It's as important that you do that as it is that he does that. Okay? All right. The first practical step to fulfilling our function is acknowledging that we all have a function and that those functions are diverse. Or diverse. I didn't include this, but 
in the lesson, but Paul goes to the extent to say, is, is every body part an eye? Well, no, because if, if you were just a big giant eyeball, you wouldn't be able to hear. And it's a silly example. When you see an apostle of God making a silly example in the Scripture, you better pay attention to that. He's exaggerating to get your attention, okay? And when he makes a silly example, a seemingly silly example, he's trying to get you to think for a second how, how, how foolish it must be to think that, oh, I've got to be the head to be anything. No, you don't, amen? We're all parts of the body fitly joined together, okay? Uh, let's go to Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. We're going to be reading out of Romans 12 tonight from the New Living Translation. Uh, it's a version I use quite a bit with the youth group. It's just very plain English. doesn't require a, a ton of explanation, but uh, it, it's good. And then we'll be reading out of Ephesians chapter 4 in the King James Version. It's all on your sheet, though. So it says in verse 4, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. So as our bodies, our physical bodies, are many parts. I don't know how many bones are in the human body. Do we have any medical people who know that? 206 bones in the human body. That's awesome. That's a lot of bones. Some of them are, are big, you know, depending on your relative size, I suppose, but... Uh, and then some of them are quite small. And uh, each, bar, each part, even though it's many parts, each part has a special function. Again, if you were to remove one of those 206 bones, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> right. You're going to have a problem. You take a bone out of any random place that where it's supposed to be, and it's going to leave a massive uh, issue. Okay? So just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, that, function, that, that word function in the Greek is praxis, praxis. And it means a doing or a practice. Sounds like practice, doesn't it? Praxis, practice. A doing, a, a practice, a function, or an office. So our bodies have all these different parts that have different size and different value and different function and role but they're all essential for the whole thing to work together. And he says in verse 5, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We belong to each other. When God has fitly joined you to a body of believers, you belong to them, and they belong to you. How cool is that? Well, I don't want to belong to anybody. Well, be a rebel, be out there on your own, and see how far you get in the kingdom. Good luck. Because even Jesus had help. Even Jesus had a community around him. He had an inner circle of three disciples. He had a larger circle of 12 disciples. He had a larger circle of 70 disciples. And then it got into hundreds. Even Jesus didn't do it alone. Even when it was just him praying, he had the Holy Spirit, he had ministering angels. He didn't do anything by himself. So let's not think for a second that we're so called that we can do this by ourselves. Amen? We're not. We're not. God does not even do anything by himself. He moves through the Trinity, right? So our function, our special function, I like that he calls it that. Each part of your body has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. There are parts of Christ's body that have a special function. There are things that God has, has set in motion for you to do. You, little old you, or little young you, 
or a little smart you or a little pretty you, whatever, whatever adjective you want to use. God has something in motion for you. Well, but I'm not the preacher. That's okay. You're not called to be the preacher. If we were all preachers, we wouldn't have anybody to preach to. Right? It's okay. We've all got a special function that God has, has put us into this body for. There's a reason that you're in this house. There's a reason that you've been here for six months or six years or, or 60 years or however long some of you senior saints have been here. There's a reason that you're here. You have a function to perform. And even if it doesn't feel like you are, you do. Amen? Even if it doesn't feel like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm older and I'm just here. And, but you're here and your hands are up. Or you're here and you're praying. There's times where I see some of our senior saints and, they, you know, they can't stand up through the whole worship set and that's fine. But you know what? They're sitting there and you can see their mouth moving. You can see their faces, their, their eyes, their focus is on what's happening, what God is doing. And you know what? That's huge. That is absolutely essential to the success of a church service. Without your focus and your attention, without your buy-in as a part of the body, that function cannot be fulfilled. So it does matter, even if you're just in a seat on a Sunday morning. You are performing a function. You are doing something that is contributing to the atmosphere that is enabling God to move. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. He does not inhabit empty air. He inhabits air that is filled with the praises from His people. So if we are praising God, we're creating an atmosphere where God can come in. And what happens when God comes? When God comes, He brings all of His riches and glory. Everywhere that He goes, His riches and glory goes with Him. So when He shows up, He's got all His stuff with Him, and that's when He can begin to help people. He can help the addicted when He shows up in His glory. He can help the bound. He can set people free. He can restore marriages and relationships. He can do all of that because there's people here saying, God, you are good. God, you've been awesome to me. God, you are faithful when no one else is. We sing about how good of a father he is. That contributes to the air that enables God to come in and do something that we cannot do. Amen. So we all serve a function every single service, every single time. Every hand that goes up, every thought that dwells on Him, every bit of attention that you can put off of this world and onto what He's doing, it all contributes to what He is trying to do with this place. It matters. And likewise, when somebody's checked out, you know it. I think people think we can't tell. You can tell. You can tell when somebody's checked out. It's all over their face. And you know what? Sometimes they've had a lousy week, and, and they might have a legit reason to be checked out. They might have just come in off the worst night of their life, and they're in the house of God. And we can't judge them, but you know what we can do? We can get our praise up. We can get our hands up. We can create an atmosphere where God can begin to move, and he can break through that junk and break down those walls and begin to do something. Amen? So we all have a function. This function is a practice. It is an office, right? Our function is ours in accountability to God, but it, is also, but it also belongs to everyone else. He says in verse 5, and we all belong to each other. What if the body of Christ began operating under the premise that if I do well, my neighbor does well? If I chase after God with all that I have, then it may influence them to chase after God with all that they have. 
Amen? What if we perceive the body collectively instead of individually or in smaller units? Let's not, let's not worry about youth ministry and children's ministry and women's ministry so much as let's worry about the whole thing. The whole thing. Now, that's a starting point. You know what I mean? It's a starting point. It's essential. Those groups are microcosms of the church. Those things are essential to church life. If, if you can teach your kids to be part of children's ministry and youth group, you're going to teach them how to be part of the church. And that's awesome. That's what they need to do. Because they're going to learn in youth group when somebody doesn't like them, somebody they're supposed to go to heaven with doesn't like them, they're going to learn what to do about it. They're going to learn that in children's church. So that's important. But if we can begin to understand as, as adults, as seasoned believers, if we can begin to understand the value of me pursuing God with all that I have, and the fact that my pursuing can influence their pursuing, and their pursuing, and their pursuing. That collectively we belong to each other. Perhaps we can find a new motivation to do what God has called us to do. Amen? Does that make sense? It's quiet. Did I step on somebody? It's quiet in the place. Brandon liked it. He was the only one. Right? You understand what I'm saying? We all have a role. We have a function. Verse 5 shows us that our individual function obligates us to the rest of the body as well. If you have a calling, you are therefore obligated. I say a calling. Whatever your function is in the body. If you have a function, which we all do, then that obligates us to each other. I'm accountable to God for, for my function because my function impacts more than just me. It impacts you. And your function impacts more than just you. It impacts me. So let's not think, again, let's not, let's not draw, build the walls at the stage and say, oh, they're the only people that are making a difference. No, 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 no. We can, I mean, we, we all know how to worship. We all know how to pray. We can, we can do our thing. But when the whole body is together and we're calling on God and we're, we're telling Him how good He is, we're talking about how much we know about Him from our experience, amen, that facilitates his power in the place. And it, it magnifies it. Like Sunday night, prime example. Who all was at church Sunday night? All right, the rest of you missed out big time. It was legit. And uh, it was a fantastic move of God. It's one of those services you're like, we haven't had one of those in a while. And we may not have another one for a while. Hopefully we will, right, by the grace of God. But, but it was a powerhouse service, and everybody was keyed into what was going on. And God moved for two solid hours. God moved in the place. So we're talking about our function. We all have a function. The first step to fulfilling our function is acknowledging that we all have one and that there is diversity to those functions, okay? My fulfillment of my function directly impacts the branch of Christ's body that I have been fitly joined to as well as the body of Christ overall. So my contribution directly affects this house. Your contribution directly affects this house, this branch of the body, because God joined you here. He fitly joined you here. That word fitly joined, we talked about that last time. It's actually on our, our, at the bottom of our page there. It means to render close, jointed together, or to be fitly framed together. When you frame something, you're doing precise cuts, precise angles. You're putting things together very precisely. When God has put you to a, in a church, when he's called you to a house and made you part of a body, he didn't do it by accident. And he didn't survey to see if it was because you like the kids' ministry or the music. He really didn't. 
If He has called you to a house, it is because there is something there for you, there is something there from you to give to them. We belong to each other. Okay, we belong to each other. That's what it says in Ephesians 4.16 at the bottom of the page. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. It's really wordy, but it's really deep, so it has to be wordy. Okay? Fitly joined together again is to be framed, fitly framed together. At the top of your next page, I, I pasted the verse there again so we wouldn't have to flip back and forth. After fitly joined together, there's the word compacted. Compacted in the Greek, sumbibadzo. It means unite. Unite. So we're joined together and we are united in association or affection. Have you ever been in unity with someone? Hopefully in your marriage you're in unity. It would be hard to have a good marriage if you're not in unity. Unity is a little bit vital to that. Unity and association or affection. And it means, compacted means knit together. Knit together. So we're talking about, I don't do, I've never done knitting, so I'm not going to try to do an example. I just know you get the sticks. And it's an over-under thing, right? Am I right? It's an over-under kind of thing. But when, when something is well, it's, it's knit together well, it's hard to pull it apart. You can do it. It's not that it can't be done. But it's difficult. You've got to have the right tools to do it. You've got to have something super sharp to cut through something that is knit together. So the body is joined, it's fitly framed together, and it is compacted. It is knit together. So you see these are two, two phrases that indicate a tightness in the body. Yes, unity. A tightness in the body. It's not a loose association. Okay, have you ever had clothes that are starting to separate around the seams? They're starting to come apart. We won't talk about why they're starting to come apart, right? Maybe they're just old. They're starting to come apart, starting to stretch out a little bit. We're not talking about a loose association, a loose connection. Some people treat church like the, like the, the flavor of the month. Not you guys. You're here, right? Some people treat church that way. As a consumer, we live in a consumeristic culture, but so they, they treat church based on what they can get from it. What if we changed our perception of church, of the body of Christ, and said, it's not about what I can get, it's about what I can contribute. I'm here because God put me here, number one. He has knit me together with these people. He has framed me together with these people. I'm not just loosely connected. I'm, I'm tied to them. I'm sealed with them. What if God has called you to do what he's called you to do, to do this function of yours here for the rest of your life. What if? What if God has said, hey, what I've put in you is for them, what I've put in them is for you, and I want you to do that until you come see me? How many of us would? How many of us would be willing to say? What about, amen, what about through adversity? What about when some of those folks you're knit together with are giving you a hard time? What about when you disagree with a decision that somebody that you've been knit together with has made? People, people leave the church over the craziest things. You know, as a minister, you'll, you'll, 
You'll marry them. You'll dedicate their children, bury their dead, and they'll leave because they don't like the carpet. And you would think, well, surely not, but am I wrong? No, I'm not wrong. I've been in the pastor's house longer than I've been in this house. Trust me, it's, it's true. But what if we treated church this understanding that, you know what, we're not always going to get along, but we're knit together. We're not always going to agree, but we're knit together. And, and we might disagree. We might agree to disagree, but we're still together. That's right. We don't, certainly, Lord knows we don't always agree with what our kids have done. But do we kick them out the first time they do something we don't agree with? Or the hundredth time? I would say that most people do not. So we are compacted. We are knit together. There's a tightness that ought to be here. Now, does it mean you're going to know every single person or every single face? Maybe not. But there might be a group within this group that's part of your, your limb that you're tied to, right? You might be a hand bone in this body, and you and the other hand bones hang out all the time, and that's great, and you shake hands with the other hand bone group, right? Don't worry about the feet people. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about the back people. Amen? You've got where you are fit together. Amen? You've got where you have been knit in, and it's tight, and you know what? Even when we don't agree, Even when we don't like it, even when they're mean, even when we're mean, even when we've had a bad week or they've had a bad week, we're still knit together, amen? It doesn't matter what happens or what we do, we're knit together. If Jesus will go after people like Peter, if he'll go after those guys who who left, they abandoned him and went back to their former career, because obviously this Jesus thing wasn't working out. He was so knit to them that he pursued them. Man, what if we pursued each other that way? What if we believed that I am, I am in this body for a reason, and I'm not going to move until God moves me? I'm not going to move till He moves me. That means, brother, sister, you're not going to move me. He is. He is. Now, if He does it, it's all going to be cool, right? He, he knows how to move and remove and transplant without killing the host. You know, anybody could probably take a sword and cut a limb off, but only a specialized person can take one off and put it on another person and both live. That's God. That's what God does. He can move things around in the body as he sees fit because he's the great physician. He is the one who put this body together. When people start moving, when people start jumping and attaching themselves in places they weren't called to be, you got a freak. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. That was <laughs> more than that. You've got something that was never meant to be. That is the definition of a freak, right? <laughs> something that was never meant to be. So we are we are knit together. We are knit together. Let's stay knit together. God forbid that I be where God wants me to be, and then I bail on that because of something that He did not do. Amen. It also says in the rest of that verse, we are compacted by that which every joint supplieth. So every part supplies something. Again, further confirmation that you have something to contribute. And that's what that word supplieth means. Supply or contribution. You have something to contribute. And it's not just your money. 
Let's not just think of it in, in purely consumeristic terms, right? It's not just your money. You're more than a dollar sign here. You're a body in a seat. You're a set of hands. You're a set of arms that can hug and love on people. You're a mouth that can speak encouragement. You are more. You have more to give than what you think you do. I think sometimes believers think that they've got to have it all together to be able to contribute anything. You don't have to have it all together. You can have some of it together and contribute from that. We've got those things in our life that we've learned from. Those things that God has shown us and taught us from our experience. And I can contribute from that position. I can't contribute from somewhere I've not been before. That's how we do it. That's how we preach to you. We preach things to you that God is teaching us. That God is revealing to us. Likewise, you can do the same. You can speak a word of encouragement from a a position that you experienced in life to someone else who is in that same place. You know what? I, I know what it was like, brother or sister. You know, I know what it was like when my kids went nuts. Let me tell you what God did for me when my kids went nuts. I know your kids are going crazy. Let me tell you what God did. When my marriage was in trouble, let me tell you what God did. When I was sick, when I got the diagnosis, let me tell you what God did. Right? I might not be able to help you, you know, psychoanalyze you and help you in every area of life, but I can tell you what God did when I was sick and he healed me. I can tell you about that. We all have something to supply. We all have something to contribute. And we can and we are obligated to contribute to each other. Amen? It says, uh, by, by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working. The effectual working means energy, efficiency, operation. Effective working. Effective working. According to the effective work, you can be effective with what God has done for you, but you can be most effective with what God has done for you in the body that he's joined you to. There are are universal things that God has done for people that that can be beneficial to anybody. We can talk about the grace of God to anybody, amen? We can talk about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God to anybody. But when we are in a place that God has connected us to and framed us to, It's going to be multiplied effective because we're where we're supposed to be, with people we're supposed to be with, doing what God has called us to do collectively and individually. It's going to be more effective. We can talk about the goodness of God, and it can move people. But we can talk about it and transform people in the body because what's in me can flow into you. What's in you can flow into me and into our neighbors. Amen? So we're talking about a body that is joined together compacted, knit together. There's a contribution that we all give, and it creates effectiveness within the body. Within the body. We're going to be most effective in the body that we've been called to be a part of. Then it says, in the measure of every part. Measure in the Greek, metron. It's where we get our word meter. A limited portion or a limited degree. There is a measure that every part supplies. You have something to contribute, something measured out to you to contribute. It's limited. We're not Jesus, amen? Thank God we're not Jesus, who had the Holy Spirit without measure and all this stuff. No, no, we have a measure. We have a cap, but that cap is just enough. It's not too much. It's not too little. It's just enough. That that 
phrase, the measure of every part, of every part means every one part or every single part. There is not a single part of the body of Christ that does not have something to contribute. So let's get past that. I know I'm saying it all kinds of different ways because I'm wanting you to understand it in the simplest way, okay? I want you to understand what I'm saying. We all have something to contribute to the body. It's going to be most effective in this body, within the, the, the construct of this body. Amen? That's why God put us here. God wants you to be effective. He doesn't want you to live your life spinning your wheels in your walk for Christ. He doesn't want you going back and forth trying to decide if, you're, if you matter or not. Oh, you matter. You matter here. Amen? You matter in this place. You matter to us, and we matter to you, hopefully. Amen? That's that body that is knit together. We are all essential to the body, to the universal body of Christ and to the local body of Christ. Our participation in our measured function increases and builds up the body of Christ. That's what the rest of that verse tells us. The effectual working and the measure of every part makes increase of the body into the edifying of itself. The best way to grow this church is for you to grow. Amen? The best way to grow this house is for you to grow. If you grow, we grow. If you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow, we grow. If your roots get deeper, and your, your trunk gets taller, and your branches reach out farther, and your fruit produces more, and you, you begin to produce across many seasons, amen, you, you endure then we all do all of those things. Okay, this is us knit together. It, it forces increase when we grow together. It forces increase when we grow together. God cannot help but pour out increase and edification on the body when we're growing together. It's a law like sowing and reaping. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for that whatever a man shall sow, that shall he also reap. The same thing is true here. If we effectively, if we become knit together and contribute our part, and we begin to grow together, then the whole body will increase. That means every Sunday is important. That means every Wednesday is important. Every chance that you get to grow is important. Not just for you, it's important for me. And it's important for your brothers and sisters around you. Every chance. What is your part? Your part may not be to preach, but your part is to grow. And whatever grows you, grows us. So every chance you get, whether you've been saved 10 years, or, or 90 years, or however long, or 10 minutes, if you have the ability to grow, to be a part of something that will facilitate your growth, you should. Okay? I would, I would venture to say, I believe it was a few months ago we found out Brother Charlie back here has been saved for how long was it? 70-some years? 72 years. My goodness. What, what he's seen in the body of Christ, what he's experienced. But, but, Brother Charlie, are you done? You got more to learn, don't you? That's right. There is still so much that's ahead of him. How much more is ahead of the rest of us? When we grow, individually, we grow as a group. We're still here, and it must be for a reason. 
What is the significance of our function being measured? It means that God has put just enough function in you that you are able to measure up. He didn't put too much on you, nor too little. Have you ever wondered if God put too much on you? Have you ever been like, God, I don't know if I can do all this. Listen, it was measured to you because he knows your frame. He knows what you're made of. Like David said in Psalms, he knit you together in, 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 his mother's, in your mother's womb. For nine months, it was you and God. And he built into you what you would need to fulfill that measure. It's in you already. It's in you already because he put it there. He didn't put too much on you nor too little. God put the right amount of function in you when he placed you fitly to this body. The right amount is in you because you're in the right place among the right people. You've got just what you need to grow and just what you need to contribute. And we've got just what we need. And you know what? Together we're going to grow. Amen? And as we grow, this house is going to grow because our reach grows. Our reach grows. Trees don't just grow straight up. They grow out. That's what we're going to do. So now, let's get to, lastly, what can my function be? Romans 12, 6 through 21. It's going to be a bit of reading, but it's really good. New Living Translation. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. What, what, what's my function? Okay, Matt, I, I get it. I have a function. What is my function? If you have prophecy in you, speak out with as much faith as you've got. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. That might be your function. If you're a teacher, teach them well. That might be your function. If your gift is to encourage or exhort, in the Greek, parakaleo, to call near or to comfort, to call to one side. This is from the same Greek family, Greek word family, as comforter, parakletos in the Greek. That's the, the, the term that Jesus used to describe the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. He said, when the comforter has come, he'll, he'll, he'll lead you into all truth. What, the parakletos, the, the helper, the one who's been called alongside to help. Verse 8 says, if your gift is to encourage or exhort, if your gift is to come alongside somebody, it says, then do it. Be encouraging. Sometimes your function, there, there are people in the body of Christ whose function is to put their arm around somebody and tell them that, that they love them and to tell them that God is with them and that it's going to be okay even though it doesn't feel like it. That's a function of the body of Christ. That doesn't get a microphone all the time. It doesn't get a TV show on TBN. But it's a function of the body of Christ. And without it, we're going to be in bad shape. We need those people. We need those people as much as we need those people. If it is giving, give generously. What's my function? Your function might be to make money. Well, make money for what? For the body of Christ. Because life costs money. Even Proverbs says money answers all things. We wouldn't be in here right now if it wasn't for money. Because money keeps this place warm, keeps the lights on, 
keeps people here and available. It's essential. What's my function? It might be giving. If it is, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Well, I I just lead the security team, or I just lead the nursery, or I just lead in the sound booth. Take it seriously. That might be your function. It's essential. What you do is essential to what we do. You with me? What's my function? I might not be a preacher, but what else might I be? You might be generous, a giver. You might be an encourager. You might be a servant, a teacher. You might be a leader. It says, if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I'm sure we've all met people who don't have that gift. Or maybe, maybe we are somebody who doesn't have that gift. But we've also met people who do have that gift. Some people who are just kind. How far can that go on those bad, bad days? That's essential to the body of Christ. If we don't have kind Christians, we're doomed. We're doomed. People don't need somebody to tell them how bad they are. They know how bad they are. Even the most deluded, delusional people know how bad they are. They need people to tell them how kind They need people to show them the kindness of God, to hug them, tell them it's going to be all right, to give to them when they're in need. That's what they need. That's what people need. Verse 9, he says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's just like too plain, isn't it? It's too plainly spoken. Don't pretend to love people, really love people. Listen, I don't say the L word unless I mean it. I don't throw love out there unless I mean it. If I tell you I love you, I love you. And if I don't, I'm working on it. Give me some grace. <laughs> Give me some grace. That means I like you. Or I might tolerate you. Or you might tolerate me. It's all right. We're knit together. We don't have to be all lovey-dovey, do we? No. But some people, it's their gift. You ever had somebody in your life who really loved you? In your church life, who really loved you? You had no doubt that they really loved you. Amen. that's an essential function in the body of Christ. It says, hate what is wrong, what is morally wrong. That's a function in the body of Christ. That can be your role. Your role can be to stand in the face of immorality. That's a role in the body. It says, hold tightly to what is good. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. You know, you know when people don't really honor you, but they're just giving you lip service. Have you ever had lip service from somebody where they pay you a compliment and you're like, all right, friend, what's your game? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to get at? Am I the only one? I see people laughing. All right. It's true, isn't it? We know when somebody's sincere and when they're not. And those people who genuinely delight in showing honor, those are special folks. Those folks are essential to the body of Christ. You know what? Those folks, they show honor to everybody, not just the pastors, not just the singers, not just the stage people. They show honor to everybody. Why? Because they delight in it. They like like it when people feel good about themselves. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm not saying be fake. I'm saying be real about it. It's what it says. Show genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That is a function in the body of Christ. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard. Uh Uh-oh, that's a function in the body of Christ. It's a function in the body of Christ to work hard. 
We need people who work hard, stack chairs, put things away, do things that other people don't want to do. That's needed. It's absolutely essential in the body of Christ, and that might be your role. And without it, lots of things wouldn't get done. It says also, serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. I have, I have known over the years several people that's come through this house that have just served the Lord enthusiastically. You see it all over their face. And, and some of those folks have been great elders of the house. And some of those folks have just been passing through, and they've just been good folks, and they just love God. They were on their way to the other body that they were called to. But there are people whose function in the body is to love the Lord enthusiastically, to serve God with all kinds of energy. Some of us, it's not that easy. But for other folks, it's their function. Are you understanding? What could my function be? It doesn't have to be up here. It can be having joy as you follow God. Imagine that. Happy people following God. Happy while they do it. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope. That's a function, rejoicing in hope, being a person of faith. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. It's a function in the body to be a patient person who's in trouble, but they keep praying. They don't give up. They don't stop. That's huge in the body of Christ. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Be ready to help those in need. When God's people are in need. Did you know we are first obligated to God's people? then to the world. People think that generosity is is a staple of Christianity to anybody with a handout. It's not the case. We're obligated first to the household of faith, then to the world. That might rub you wrong, but it's the truth. All right. Verse 13, always be eager to practice hospitality. I've got part of that word underlined, hospital. There is a healing factor in hospitality. There is a healing factor in hospitality. When, when we roll out the red carpet for somebody, coming out of the worst week of their life, that brings healing. Or the worst day of the week. Or maybe a stranger who's meant to be part of this house, and we are hospitable to them. Amen? It shows them something. It brings healing. It brings life into them. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. How do we do that? How do we bless somebody who persecutes us? By not cursing them, but instead praying that God will bless them. That's a special function in the body of Christ. That's hard to do. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Our church is great at that. If you've been part of it very long, you know that. When you lose somebody, this is the right church to be a part of because we gather around. And we weep with those who weep. Sometimes it's easier to weep with people than it is to rejoice with people. It's real quiet now. Let's rejoice. When somebody gets a new car, rejoice about it. Don't worry about it. Them and the bank worked it out. Don't worry about it. Not your deal. It's their deal. Let's rejoice. It's a challenge sometimes to rejoice with people when we think we ought to be the ones being blessed. But remember, we're knit together, man. If they're getting blessed, that means there might be a blessing for me somewhere. It might be on the way. Maybe it's not my season just yet, but it was theirs. So rejoice with those who, are, who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Verse 16. Oh, I've got to hurry. Live in harmony with each other. That's a function. Peaceable Christians. That's essential to the body of Christ. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. 
People who don't think too highly of themselves. That's a function in the body of Christ. And lastly, don't think you know it all. Being humble enough to say, you know what, I might not have all the answers. That's a function in the body of Christ. Now, granted, a lot of these are going to overlap. We're going to do some of these and maybe not all, and I'm, I'm almost done. It says, verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. You mean there can be evil in the body of Christ? Yeah. Why? Because there's people in the body of Christ. It's like Pastor says, sheep bite sometimes. You know, we're the sheep. Sheep bite. They bite each other. They leave messes sometimes. I won't go any further with that. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. That, that, that part of that verse speaks of integrity. Being the same in front of people and not in front of people. Okay, being the same, being genuine, being real. That's a function in the body of Christ. Verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Everyone, now we're talking about the world too. That's a function in the body of Christ. Dear friends, never take revenge, but, 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 they, but they deserve it. But I was right and they were wrong. It says never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the Scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. That is far easier said than done. But it's a function in the body of Christ. Instead, verse 20, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. They're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap coals, burning coals of shame on their heads. It's a function for people to, to, to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty and, you know, be good to people who aren't good to them. That's a function in the body of Christ. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Amen. That's a function in the body of Christ. What is my function? Your function might be to prophesy. Notice he starts off in verse 6 talking about prophecy, spiritual stuff. We like all the spiritual stuff. We're Pentecostal. We like all that. Spiritual gifts, the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Serving, leading, encouraging, we like all that. But then it gets real practical. Don't, don't, don't repay evil for evil. Do good to those that, that persecute you. Pray for God to bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for God to bless them. Don't let evil conquer you, but instead conquer evil by doing good. That is all in the same passage. What does that tell us? It all works together. Why are we a body of many parts, many members? Because our diversity makes us strong. Our diversity makes us strong. There are people that you can impact that I can't. There are people that I can impact that you can't. We are knit together, framed together for a cause. When we grow Individually, we all grow. The most important thing that you can do as a believer is grow. If you grow, I'll grow. Because I'm going to see something in you I didn't see before. And you're going to see something in me that you didn't see before. And together, we just got better. The body of Christ building itself up, edifying itself in love. While we all may have done some of these, I doubt very many of us could say that we have done all of these. Isn't it refreshing to see that being an effective member of the body of Christ isn't just about doing stage ministry or street ministry or prison ministry or worship team 
or even teaching children. It is as simple as coming alongside someone when they call. It's as simple as being a generous giver, a responsible leader, a happy and kind person. Really love people. Hate immorality, not the immoral individual. Hold tight to good things. Honor each other genuinely. Work hard and serve the Lord with enthusiasm. The list goes on and on and on. Why does the body of Christ need to be so expansive and so diverse? Simply put, each part has a function to fulfill. In the faithful operation and diversity of our functions, we grow the body and expand the kingdom by showing people what it is to be Christ. We're not just showing sinners, though. We're showing each other. We're showing each other how to handle adversity, how not to repay evil for evil, how to be good instead of how to conquer evil by doing good. Supplying and contributing our part to each other in good times and the bad times in every season. Amen? Next week, we're going to talk about as we live and grow together, how does God facilitate our personal growth within the body, and how do we deal with adversity and disappointment with each other. And that's where we'll finish up next week. Thank you for listening today to Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.